Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This episode, Kate and I are going to be doing our annual review. Now, this is our fourth one, guys, because we're heading into the fifth season for Conversations in Equine Science, which we never intended for it to really go this long. But, um, you know, Kate, we've done so much research and read so much, it's kind of helped us in our everyday horse research and teaching and and all the other things that come around. So um, what we're going to do is discuss our top three episodes for each of us. And those will be the episodes that we enjoy doing the most, or maybe they... um, mean the most to us or we learned quite a bit from researching it and then um, we'll go ahead and tell you guys what ended up being your top three episodes and we'll just kind of look at the number of listens on those 2023 episodes. Now the overall episode that we probably did it right after COVID so maybe 2021 was the benefits of equine therapy for anxiety and mental health. That one gets 660% streamings above the average podcast. So that's still overall, it attracted 21% new listeners this year. So that is the most shared episode we've done. So I'd probably say that's one of our premier episodes that we must have done pretty good on, Kate. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I thought, well, that was a good one. And you know, it did uh, have an effect because of COVID. Um, There were a lot of people experiencing anxiety, especially teenagers with social anxiety after COVID. So um, it had kind of had a special place um, within our, our episodes. For, and I do believe it was 2021 was the year we did that. So Kate, do you want to start out with your uh, top three? Yeah. So firstly, I just want to say every year, Nancy and I normally have a quick chat. We have a quick chat before every episode, but we normally tell each other what our top three aren't. Or what they are, sorry, each year, <laughs> but this year we didn't. Um, so it's going oh, to be yeah. exciting to see what each of us have chosen or if we've chosen similar ones. But in third place, it ties in really nicely with the episode you just mentioned, Nancy. My third place pick this year, and I have to say this year in particular, I found tough to pick three because most years there are and are always shows that really stand out to me, like topics we cover that I'm like, oh, wow, like I learned a lot from that. This year, I feel like we covered a lot of papers where I, I really did just learn so much from them. But in third place, I chose our episode Horse Show Anxiety and how mental prep can build self-confidence, or self-confidence 
for competition success. So this was by S. McGinn et al. And it was a 2018 paper. And the reason why I picked this as my third place paper was it's again, I suppose having that imposter syndrome and that anxiety in this paper, it was around competition and talking about the things that can help and improve that. And I think that can actually also be so applicable to everyday riding and especially for beginners. And if you're a beginner that's starting out um, that hasn't done the whole pony club, been on a horse since you were five, it can be quite daunting as an adult to first take on horse riding. And I think having something like this, some techniques to help give you that confidence is so useful. So that was my third place. And as a quick recap, they found that it was similar to what other athletes do, a similar approach for building your sport confidence or to build that riding confidence. So using things like self-talk, positive self-talk, goal setting, positive imagery, pre-performance routines, and using relaxation techniques too. Goal setting, so important. Like this is the time of year where everyone's getting into their goals. Map out your big goals and then break those down into little chunks. Um, And you'll just see such improvement, especially when it comes to your horses. So that was in third place. Did you want to do your third place next, Nancy, or will I do my three? I'll do my third place. We can kind of go back and forth that way. Um, My number three was gymnastic training in dynamic mobilization exercises for horses. And I think I learned the most on this one because um, I am in the midst of that trial with the horses here at the farm on these exercises. And I really can see that even in these cold, damp, um, kind of muddy conditions, you can always do these exercises. Now, that was the study where they had uh, therapy horses that you you lead them on the ground, so you're not riding them, but you do um, different exercises. And there might be ground poles, it might be... um, going in circles, both directions, it's backing up. Um, And those uh, poles could be set at like 16 inches. So it's helping to flex the hock and engage the hind end as they step over. And that's 16 inches high. So um, and then also, um, let's see, there were Uh, baited stretches included in that. So there were a total of five exercises and you do them three times a week. And I have to say, um, it's really, really improved my horses, um, especially the ones that tend to have a little hock swelling or um, I had that a 27-year-old ran crazy in the wind and the cold, and she kind of overdid it. And um, her uh, right hock was a little puffy and warm afterwards. So I did give her some uh, rest and some compression wraps. And then after a couple weeks, I went ahead and started implementing these exercises. And I have to say, it really helped with that hock and its flexibility. I think they're like us. Um, When you have like a little swelling of your knee, if you keep it stiff, 
are you're not using it sometimes when it's arthritis and my vet does think it's osteoarthritis with her um the movement helps and controlled movement not crazy movement so that was my number three and i learned so much reading that paper and um realizing you can do these simple ground exercises to help improve their hind end, their apaxial uh, muscles. And I think it's good for them to have work to do. So Kate, what would have been your second choice for your favorite episodes? So this is lined up really nice for me this evening because my second choice was a stretching paper as well. Um, we did a lot on stretching and mobility this year, and I loved every minute of it. And it was hard to pick one paper. I went back to one of the first ones that we did. So it was stretching exercises for horses. Are they effective? So simple, straight to the point. This was by A. Frick, and it's a 2010 paper. So it was a little bit of an older one. Um, and it was just reiterating that they are effective. We do see that improvement in movement, the improvement in flexibility, this was the paper that used the gonometer, I believe it's pronounced, um, that kind of ruler with the half semicircle. So we talk about it a lot in the episode to measure that movement. And then one of your sons, Nancy, did a follow up because that's used in people as well. So that was a really interesting one to me. And I remember what kind of stood out to me from it as well were two points. Firstly, warming up injured horses that can't be lunged. And I remember when I came across this in the paper, I was like, that's something like that I hadn't really thought about. But to warm up those muscles, massage is so useful. And then in subsequent papers, we really dove into massage a lot more. So I thought that was great. Now you've got massage as a useful technique to warm up muscles. And then from later papers, you've got the actual steps you can do with uh, implementing the massage. And they also mentioned using hot compresses as well. So I thought that was quite cool. The other point from this paper as well was, I think we're so obsessed with confirmation still in horses. And we talk a lot about good confirmation and good confirmation. But having perfect confirmation or close to perfect doesn't mean good posture. And the latter is produced by the musculature. So if you have an imbalance in the muscles, you're going to end up getting injuries. There's going to be bad posture. It's going to have a knock-on effect. You can have a horse with amazing conformation, but if you're not protecting the musculature, then it's not really worth it. So to me, that was kind of, I think that was one of the first stretching ones we had done. And that kind of kickstarted a year where we probably dove into stretching quite a bit. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorites as well, Kate. Anything that involved massage, stretching, um, exercises to improve mobility and flexibility, I really um, felt attracted to that topic, and I still am, uh, to make things better for our athletes and maybe get a little more life out of them as far as their careers go. Yeah. So um, I will add that my number three, that gymnastic training and dynamic mobilization exercises, that was a July 25th episode. So if you want to go back and re-listen to these, um, I do have the dates for those. I don't have the paper reference. So Kate, you did so good 
knowing the paper reference. I didn't write that down. So, um, but anyway, I do have the dates that the um, episodes played. Brilliant. And what then was your second place, Nancy? It was How Happy Are Equine Athletes. And I really enjoyed that episode because remember there was a listener that wrote in she felt guilty when she was so into the competition and competing and training and she was thinking at times her horse just wasn't as into it as she was and she felt at at odds that doing the competitions were at odds with the horse's welfare. So that one, uh, the name of it was How Happy Are Equine Athletes, and it aired September 11th, 23. And I could relate to that because sometimes in racing, you feel um, at odds or you're, um, you know, you feel torn between letting the horse have that freedom, forage and friends versus knowing they also have a job to do. And we always talk about uh, horses worthwhile economically often puts them in a better welfare situation. And that's uh, what this paper was about, giving uh, people ideas on little things they can do to kind of have the best of both worlds. So that was my number two episode. That's again, just set me up perfectly for my <laughs> first place. episode. This has worked out great in my favor. Um, my first place episode surprised me, but when I was going back through all the episodes we'd done, one that really stood out to me was get your horses into the zone so this was the paper Animals in Flow Towards the Scientific Study of Intrinsic Reward in Animals. And it was by S. Hintz and J.R. Yee. And this was a 2023 paper. So it was really new at the time, hot off the press. And it talked about animals um, being in a flow. So really kind of being absorbed in the activity they're doing and within that having a resistance to distraction. So we kind of likened it to humans doing this with spending time with their horses. Like you can get completely lost in doing tasks or when you're with your horses in the barn or doing something you really enjoy, like a hobby, like reading or playing a sport or golf, just becoming completely absorbed in the activity. We talked about how horses can do this as well, either through play with interactions with other horses or also when they're competing. So that's how it lines up really nice with your mm -hmm. second paper, Nancy. And what I really, like, I suppose what really was that kind of light bulb moment for me with this paper was that this paper really focused at looking at the horse as experiencing enjoyment in what it's done. And that was just kind of seemed to flip a switch in my head because from a veterinary background, I suppose, we're always assessing quality of life and we're looking at pain scales and grimace scores and ethograms and I talk about them a lot about using grimace scales in horses and assessing if they are in pain and this was flipping that and kind of made me think to myself like ensuring a horse is pain-free within an activity if it's competing or you know even if it's just riding that's the bare minimum and I suppose that was kind of for a long time the goal, but that's 
so the bare minimum now. And it's really nice that we've come so far that this paper was actually beyond that and looking at not only are they bare minimum pain free, but are they actually enjoying what they're doing? Is it rewarding to them? Are they getting into that flow? And you really see this in some horses. And in the paper you were talking about, Nancy, with the equine athletes being happy, I think that was the episode where we talked, um, and we've talked about this in a couple episodes that's come up, but uh, your pony and what really suited mm-hmm. her. And when yep. you started doing the, um, the word has gone from my head just now. The, um, driving. The driving, that's it. I was going to yep. say the carriage. The driving with her and she really took to that and that was something that suited her personality suited her breeze her you know her actual structure and I just thought that was so great finding that niche and finding what actually makes them happy Mm -hmm. I I agree and each one kind of has that discipline that they gravitate towards doesn't mean I don't ride her I still ride her but I give her plenty of time to do the driving as well and it does help the riding she's always kind of guessing what's going to happen today or you know what are we doing now and uh, I think that's important to um, you know while they do rely on patterns and routines. I think when it comes to their training and their, um, you know, plans that we have for them, it's good to mix it up and kind of keep them guessing. That pony was a jumper pony. So when you got on her back, she thought it was time to go because it was all timed events. And I had to uh, reach for something that she had never done before and she had never been driven before. And that ended up giving her a clean slate. So then it slowed her down and then we finally made uh, progress in the riding that we're not always in a hurry. And sometimes I think you have to find that bridge for communication and, uh, you know, it's that's part of the fun of it is um, I just thought that was such a great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I well, Kate, that's that is such a compliment. We're kind of on the same page with yeah. these picks, you know, after five years, well, almost yeah, five know. years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then my number one was, um, of course, improving gait asymmetry through a hind limb massage program. Now, that was basically one of my favorites, are my really my favorite, because of the way Angel reacted to it. He stopped weaving. He relaxed. It changed that horse's whole demeanor. And I wasn't even going to include him in the um, field trial because he has no back issues or lameness issues or anything. But, you know, I ended up thinking, we'll just see what happens. So I'm so glad that I didn't try and dictate that it could only be done for horses that had asymmetry, but it also benefited him as far as a mental and I guess nervous type condition. Yeah. The, that to me was such an incredible outcome from it. And I think we've mentioned this many times. I know I, I have, but it, it really embodied the whole reason that we're doing this, like why we are reading the research and why we're trying to have a conversation about it 
and make it accessible to people because if we weren't doing this like who's to know if you ever would have come across those techniques and those techniques had a very important implication for him and and welfare implication as well you know he was more relaxed he was happier he stopped weaving which is incredible to think like stereotypies are a huge um problem with horses and it's something that many owners you know their horses will be much more severe and you know will really be injuring themselves with their uh, repetitive behaviors so to have a potential outlet that can release some of that nervous energy and that as a side effect to why we're actually doing this um massage technique yeah yep and i will add something i probably added to it uh after that episode it was on august 2nd that we recorded that episode but um with him he had had a day of turnout and then i did the massage so all the horses had their day whether turned out or being exercised or ridden as well and then when they came in they got them their massage and that was um Each one got a massage. Uh, It was only one massage a week, and that was 10 minutes each side. So it was incredible. So uh, have a listen to that one. If you have a horse that needs to maybe um, come down a little bit from being so reactive and see if you don't get the same results. Brilliant. And then what were the top three for the listeners this year? Okay. I think we've mentioned then, one of them. Yep. Uh, well, the one was from 2021. That oh, benefit. yes. The most shared. Yeah. yeah. And that one continues to be one of our most popular of all time. So um, the before that, one of the most popular was Do Horses Smell Fear? Because that was with the sweatpants. Um under the um, humans Mm -hmm. and if human sweat actually evokes fear. So that was our top one for a couple seasons. But anyway, the top three for this year, 2023, um, number three was equine neck pain. And um, that was on April 22nd, 23. It was um, all from the poll um, to withers. And it was, I think, Kate, in Ireland, you say cervical. Over here, it's cervical. So it encompassed all the things that could happen when there are issues, whether it's lesions, um, pain in the, uh, the neck and little exercises. And um, they, that was a long paper. I think it was 21 pages long and it gave you medical tests that could be done to help your veterinary Uh, veterinary staff or um, support team to uncover what was really going on. So, um, you know, I think that was a good one um, for people that might be thinking their horse is undergoing some kind of neck pain. Yeah, that was a really interesting paper. And I love to hear like that it's popular, an episode where it actually did take quite a bit of work to (laughs) produce the episode with those longer papers. They take a lot more studying before we record. 
Yeah, and that is open access, that um, that paper. So um, we advised them to read. We didn't even go through all the medical tests that could be done. So, and number two um, that listeners liked was horse pasture management, horse health and environmental impact. And that one we did January 28th. And that one included the... Um, systems like the um, tracking system and then it included if you should let weeds grow um, if you should have other species out with your horses so it was a pretty interesting um, management um, type of paper paper especially in cutting down parasites uh, the use of clover introducing clover I think we talk about in that episode too because that's something you've done in your pastures, Nancy? Yeah, you can, um, it will take over quite quickly. So then um, by adding um, a little bit of uh, nitrogen from your bedding or whatever, the horse, um, you know, type of uh, uh, nitrogen, which is natural, you can cut it back a little bit too. So um, I do a lot of management. I kind of treat the pasture like a garden. And so um, I don't have um, the ability to really let the weeds grow and all that. I tend to keep the weeds at bay. I pick up the manure. I try to do as much as you can that's within your control to keep a healthy pasture. And then I do seed. Um, if I see bare spots or whatever, we have 10 acres and four horses. So we've got a good amount of, um, you know, where we're not overgrazed. And the other thing is, the types of horses you put on your pasture. If you have a nice light turn of foot, like what a thoroughbred may have or a Welsh pony, it's not going to tear up your pasture that much when it's a muddy season. Mm -hmm. So um, if that was a good episode too. I enjoyed doing that one, Kate, because it talked about more natural uh, pasture care. Yeah. And I think that's so yeah. important now because like I think we have been in the past a little bit removed from that not really thinking what we're putting on the pasture is going directly yeah. into our horse and that's having an effect on their performance their welfare in some cases depending on if pesticides are being used and yeah. um, there's just it's nice to be able to do some really good holistic pasture management yeah now the number one episode can you do a drum roll Kate or not <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, our listeners really enjoyed recognizing anxiety in horses. And this one, uh, I guess, gave a lot of the grimace scale. It gave a lot of the uh, pain type of uh, like wrinkled eye, maybe, um, you know, different facial expressions mm -hmm. and uh, posturing that a horse does when they're under anxiety. And then Andrew McLean, we used a lot of his examples for the ridden horse um, when they may be um, anxious or in pain. And then Sue Dyson's, um, the ethogram for um, managing pain in the ridden horse. And sometimes it's not always behavior. So, um, you know, it didn't surprise me that that is 
was the number one episode for this year, and it did air February 13th. So um, for those of you that did enjoy that episode, um, I have some research banked away that I've come across. That'll be a nice little update to that episode. Um, So stay tuned in the coming weeks because there is more research on ethograms and grimace scales with riding horses. That sounds awesome because it is seems to be a topic that people can't get enough of. You know, they're always questioning because how often does a true steady horse all of a sudden become flighty mm-hmm. and you have to wonder, is it pain or is it behavior or what's triggering that, you know? Um Anyway, um, the other thing is we had some statistics from Spotify, and we do have 21% new listeners um, because of that um, anxiety and mental health episode. Um, And then we are the top podcast um, of our listeners, or I guess, how would I say it, Kate? The genre that our listeners listen to other than us would be comedy, true crime, and education. I kind of had to laugh when I saw comedy. (laughs) Maybe that's why they listen to us. (laughs) Um, And then also new listeners are from the United Kingdom. We have new listeners from the USA, from Canada, from Australia, and Norway is leading the way for new listeners. So we thank everybody for tuning in and for um, helping us grow. I think we had 47% growth this year on our podcast. And so, um, you know, that just encourages us to keep going. And we do thank you for giving us all those statistics we could use in our, our current paper. And Nancy was telling me before we started that every day the podcast is played in 44 countries, was it, Nancy? Yep, every day in 44 countries. And it's mind-blowing. I know. I, it's got it that we're in um, over 100 countries, but I don't quite get that. But um, we do get daily coverage in 44 countries around the world. So that alone kind of motivates us to keep this going. And so uh, we'll be back to begin the fifth season uh, with our um, research. And don't forget, we're going to be doing those interviews once a month. Um, I've just about got one lined up for um, the next episode. And uh, so we're looking at maybe um, reaching out to men and women that are in the trenches doing the work instead of always, um, you know, going to a research paper. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Nancy. The last four years have been a pleasure (laughs) and I'm very much looking forward to the next season. Okay. Thanks so much, Kate. Me too. And we'll see everybody next episode. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.